So I had no idea that you actually were bringing the fossils out as well. I thought it was just going to be the yes. plants. That's so exciting. It's the extra special <laughs> <laughs> ingredient in this recipe. This is Florencia Gehena, spokesperson for MEF Argentina. That's the museum responsible for bringing these fossils all the way from Patagonia to Aotearoa. We're talking at the opening of the exhibition in a large hall on the fourth floor. Kids are racing round and staring up at the giant skeletons surrounding them, or lying down to measure themselves against the giant fossil femur. Can you tell the story of how these were found? Yes, it's an amazing story. You know, uh, a farmer in Chubut, near our museum, uh, he was on daily tasks, and he found a rounded, you know, rock, and he thought that it was those balls, you know, rock balls that are very common in Patagonia for playing boche. Boche are like an Italian bowling. He was like, okay, I'm going to be the champion here because I found a very big boche. He started to dig up that rock and suddenly he realized that... They keep going. Yeah. This Argentinian farm worker, Aurelio Hernandez, alerted the museum to his discovery. But it wasn't until a few years later a couple of paleontologists jumped on a motorbike and headed over to check it out. Came back in the motorcycle, they were like, Stop everything! We need to go to that farm! It's amazing! And the rounded shape that, you know, farmer found three years before was the tip of that giant femur. And it turns out to be the biggest bone ever found, you know? Really? So yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a uh, 600 kilos femur <laughs> that is 2.4 meters long, and it took six days and a crew of 10 people to dig up that femur. And that's not the only bone that was found at that spot. No. After two years of excavation, uh, they were found 208 bones. Yeah, in different layers, and it was a, an incredibly challenging work. Everything is very heavy and very big, as you can see here. Yeah. And but they weren't the bones weren't all from the same animal. Exactly, yeah. we found there six different animals, and all the bones were distributed in layers. So the multiple animals you found probably didn't die at the same time then if they're in different layers? Exactly. It's calculated that between layer and layer there are like 10,000 years of separation. So now the mystery is to discover, you know, what is going on in that place. But one of the most, you know, certain theories is that it was a great place for nesting because it was the shore of a river. So they have like a fresh air, fresh water, plants, a lot of plants, they are herbivorous, so it's a great place for nesting. But if the water, you know, grows up and the river grows, it turns out to be very muddy. And if you are a massive dinosaur weighing 60 tons, mud is not a great thing. Probably you get stuck and you die. <laughs> but this exhibition at Te Papa isn't just meant to show off Patagotitan. It's here to show off a whole bunch of dinosaurs from the same region of Argentina. And Patagotitan, as it turns out, is a great place to track the wider story of sauropod dinosaurs. And sauropods, by the way, are just a big group of dinosaurs with the same basic body plan. Large, four-legged plant eaters with long necks and tails. 
Te Papa curator Dr Felix Marx agrees to take me back to the start of that story. We're now back in the Triassic period, roughly 235 million years ago, with a tiny dinosaur called Aoraptor. Aoraptor is one of the very first dinosaurs to evolve, and a very distant ancestor of Patagotitan. Aoraptor, you can see, is pretty small, um, and it was probably a meat eater, and that's true of all of these very, very early dinosaurs. That's just where they were coming from in terms of their early morphology. Morphology just means the size and shape of an animal. Is its neck long or short? Are its teeth sharp or blunt? Did it walk on two legs or four? As Felix said, Aoraptor was small, roughly the size of a small dog. It had sharp teeth, grasping hands, and ran around on two legs. And that was a typical morphology for many early dinosaurs. But Aoraptor was a step towards something very, very different. This one is already related to this lineage of like really gigantic plant eaters, the sauropods with the long necks and the long tails, but you don't really see that very much in this guy yet. We take a few more steps into the exhibition, marking a transition from the Triassic to the early Jurassic. So fast-forwarding about 40 million years. This period included one of the largest extinction events in the Earth's history. Virtually all large animals on land were wiped out, and funnily enough, we still don't know exactly how. Maybe it was climate change, or a series of huge volcanic eruptions, or even an asteroid like the one which eventually drove the dinosaurs extinct. Whatever happened, it cleared the way for two-legged little meat-eating dinosaurs like Aoraptor to evolve into new ecological niches. Felix takes me to the next dinosaur in the exhibition, Massospondylus. So we're, we're now in the Jurassic, so that second extinction has happened and now dinosaurs have really taken off and these um, sauropods, which started with something like Eoraptor, are starting to become definitely plant eaters. They're starting to walk on all four, so we're not 100% sure whether this form was walking on two legs or four, but probably at least doing both part of the time. Um, and you can start to see a, a head with much blunter teeth, for example, um, and you start to see a bit of a longer neck. And this is what we would call a pro-sauropod, so uh, something that came before the true sauropods, but definitely on the way there. But long necks aren't the only things which set sauropods apart. If you look at modern plant-eating mammals, you'll notice most have wide, flat teeth for chewing up leaves and twigs. But sauropods had a very different eating strategy. Sauropod teeth are long and relatively thin, not sharp like a meat-eating dinosaur, but more like the teeth of a garden rake. And that's basically what they were for, raking leaves off a branch so the sauropod could swallow them whole. And Felix says this no-chew eating strategy helps answer one of the most common questions people have about sauropods. The main question is, why could sauropods grow so large? And one, one of the proposed reasons is that basically they didn't waste any time chewing. They just kept gathering food and gathering food and gathering food. They could do that very quickly because they just literally ripped it off. But then they needed a large gut to actually digest all of this. I imagine sauropods as a kind of feeding platform, if you like. So you stand there, you've got this long neck, you graze everything in the area, then you move on and you do a bit more of that. And then at the same time having a very large gut where you can process all of this food. So it's a feedback loop. 
For a sauropod, a bigger gut meant more efficient digestion, but being bigger meant they had to process more food, which then meant they needed a bigger gut, and so on and so on. And at the very end of this feedback loop, we find the star of our show, the biggest animal ever to walk the earth, Patagotitan maiorum. Well, actually, we can't really say it was the biggest. As Felix explains, there's a lot of different types of large sauropod, and it's kind of hard to tell for sure which was the longest or heaviest. You have to remember that we very rarely find a complete dinosaur. Usually you find bits, and then we have to sort of try and estimate the rest based on sort of equations we come up with by comparing different bones and comparing them to living animals. And these equations change, and the amount of measurements we can put into those equations change, and every time we add something, the estimates change. And so this just fluctuates back and forth and back and forth. And, of course, the other thing you have to remember, dinosaurs were around for hundreds of millions of years in the end, and... You know, it only takes one more discovery to change everything again. So Patagotitan may not have been the very biggest, but it's certainly one of the top contenders. It's currently estimated a fully grown animal could be over 30 metres long and weigh up to 57 tonnes. That's heavier than 14 African elephants. Standing beneath its replica skeleton at Te Papa, is kind of an awe-inspiring experience. It's so tall, its back brushes the ceiling above me. Its ribcage is so broad, you could fit a small car inside it. Its neck and tail are so long that Samuel, the videographer who's come along with me to the museum, he can't find a spot to stand which will fit the whole animal in frame. In fact, Florencia Gehenna tells me that when they put the skeleton on display at the New York Natural History Museum, it literally didn't fit in their main hall. They had to have its head poking out the front door. It creates this sort of feeling in your gut, isn't it? Just seeing something so huge and imagining how it must have moved. And yeah. Yes, and the challenge that is to be a giant, you mm. know? Imagine the blood pressure, the handling of air, the lungs, you know... The legs of these dinosaurs, they have strong muscle attachments because they must have muscles like compression socks, you know, to regulate the blood pressure. Right, of course. Yeah. Because <laughs> if it raises up its head, that's like, what, a 30-metre pressure differential between the exactly. head and the toes? Yeah. You need a powerful, you know, pumping, you know, heart there. So uh, the heart is, you know, thought to be... 1.5 meters, you know, in diameter. Uh, so, and everything is a challenge, and you need to eat a lot. <laughs> you need to eat all the time, actually. It's very stressful. So, uh, it's quite a challenge to be a giant in the Cretaceous. <laughs> Nga Tanifa o Rupapa, the dinosaurs of Patagonia, will be on display at Te Papa until April 2024. After that, Florencia says they'll eventually be heading back home, where the Argentinian public will get to see them for the very first time. I was, I was talking to one of your colleagues on Skype a few weeks ago. One thing you mentioned, which made me feel really sad, is that, that this has never been, been able to go on exhibition in actually Argentina. Exactly! Yeah, it's yeah. terrible! Yeah, because it doesn't fit in our current facilities in the museum, so we are now you know, working night, day and night 
to build the new museum, uh, the new building in our museum to host this dinosaur in our museum.